Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club. My name is Michael, and I'm joined here by my coach and friend, Keith Kotar. How you doing, Keith? Pretty good, Michael. How are you? Doing awesome. We have a very exciting episode today because this is a one time of the year. Right now, it's December, uh, where everyone really starts to evaluate their plans for the next year. Um, so today, we're going to talk about what that process should look like, provide a couple helpful suggestions as you begin to think about that next season for you uh, in relation to your goals, how to do that. And then we're also going to share some details about our specific goals. So so Keith is um, the avid triathlete, former pro, um, and he has some very, very lofty goals himself. My Myself, though, I am a um, mid-pack age grouper. Um, that's about to have uh, our second child here in less than a month. So our goals look very different. I think we both have, have some uh, relatively ambitious plans, but we go about it in a different way. Uh, and I think that's going to be very helpful for everyone that's listening to see, uh, especially, uh, again, as we all start to contemplate, what are we going to be doing next year in 2022? And, and how does that, what does that mean for our triathlon plan? Uh, if it's your first time joining this podcast, thank you so much for joining um, we will cover the goal setting here as the main topic, but we're also going to jump through uh, at the very end of the podcast, some questions that you've submitted. If you have any questions that you want to send to us, feel free to do that on Instagram, reach out to us. You'll find all of our contact information in the show notes, or you can just post a picture, put hashtag try faster podcast. We'll go through those every single week and we'll pull out the questions that we see in there as well. At the very end of the podcast, we'll, we'll cover some relevant news. There's been a lot of news here at the end of the season to cover related to the PTO, Clash Daytona, 70.3 Indian Wells, uh, and then also some PTO announcements for 2022. And we're really excited to talk about all that at the end of the show. But uh, to kick things off, we're going to jump into some training updates that Keith and I can provide. Keith, I'll turn it over to you to give us some training updates on your end first. Yeah, training's been uh, really good for me lately. The last uh, month or so, um, I've actually been able to get into double-digit hours a week, so uh, it's been pretty good. Starting to feel a little bit more fit again. I'd, I'd taken a pretty long break. I think if if you've been listening, you know I kind of took uh, an extended time with very little training, and so it's starting to come back slowly, and um, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in in all three sports, and I can just train before I, I felt uh, a few weeks ago, like I just needed to exercise before I could actually train to get some fitness back. Um, but now I'm actually starting to train and it's pretty fun. So I'm doing a half marathon in four weeks and I'm pretty excited about that. I think when we get into the goal setting, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, but that's the next, the next uh, big race on the calendar. And I feel like I've got a chance to be close to a PR, maybe probably not at a PR, but within a reasonable distance. So yeah, training's been pretty good. How about for you, Michael? Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. That, uh, excellent when the training starts to feel or you can at least start to see a PR in the future. Uh, right now, we've talked plenty about the off-season uh, and the base training phase that you've been prescribing for me. Uh, I also shared in prior podcasts that I've had some struggles with motivation. I think that's pretty normal, at least for me this time of year, especially when we're talking about a lot of base training and the intensity is really low. Uh, but that seems to be um, subsiding a little bit and the motivation's coming back. It's December right now, but I've been able to get out on the gravel bike and ride outdoors a handful of times because we've been having abnormally warm weather. I think that really helps a whole lot as well. So um, for me, the training's going really well. And I think 
same same as you keep the the running uh, a lot of the easy runs are just starting to feel even a little bit easier and that's always a really good sign of the conditions starting to come around and the base miles are starting to pay off so really happy with where we're at right now awesome that's good to hear yeah. uh, i feel the same way i did a long run last weekend and it was about 40 seconds per mile faster than a long run i did about a month ago and it felt easier so it's just coming back <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like, hey, is it just the time of year? It's a little bit cooler outside than it was a couple months ago, or is it really the base and the fitness coming around? I like to, I like to chalk it up to the base miles and the fitness coming around and just being a more efficient runner. So, uh, all this is good news though, because the more fitness the base that we can put in means the more aggressive we can be when we're thinking about our goals for next year, and that's really what we want to jump into and have a have a conversation on and keep. I think. Um, you really led and, and put together some of the notes for how, um, if you're thinking about your 2022 goals and trying to plan what those look like, what you should be thinking of, um, pros and cons of each one of those topics. So Keith, I'll turn it over to you to kind of give us some ideas of how should we set our goals for 2022? What's that process look like? So I think when you're, whenever you're setting your goals, for me, I usually have a, a process goal and then a pace, a place related goal. I know a lot of people like to go into races with time goals, but I feel like that's that can be a little bit hit and miss because you just never know, especially the longer your race gets. Um, you never really know how the, the weather is going to affect it or the course. You know, there could just be something that kind of affects the ability to have a good time goal. And so I feel like a process goal is worthwhile. And then I think a lot of coaches also discourage people to have place goals. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I think that it's necessary to have place goals if you have certain certain things you want to achieve. Because if you're trying to qualify for Kona or something, right, you need to have a place goal. And I think you can mold your process goals and your place goals together. So oh, that they, I, they're go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think this is excellent because like what you're saying, and it's almost you know before we started working together, kind of is a coach athlete relationship. Uh, even though I've been around endurance sports for a very long time, the most common goal I would ever have, uh, and we're even going to talk about it a little bit later, was still time. It was right. still a time goal. Um, but you're saying we really shouldn't be focusing as much on time. We, we really need to evaluate process and, uh, and place, potentially. Right. Yeah, and I think that process comes before place. But also, I think using place as a motivator doesn't hurt either, especially if you're racing a lot of races where, wherever you live and you're in the local races, you probably see the same people pretty often, right? So if you're trying to, whether or not you're winning your age group or trying to get even top 10 in your age group or winning the overall, right, you're probably up against the same handful of people most of the time. And so you kind of get an idea that, you know, if you cross the finish line and you have this time goal and your time isn't exactly what you're looking for, but look at the names around you and see how they were because, you know, your, your age group rival in the 30 to 34, he could have beaten you by three minutes at some try in April. And then you're really disappointed with your result in June. But then you see that guy only beat you by two minutes over a similar distance race. You know, maybe your, your disappointing, you know, quote, disappointing time wasn't really as bad as it seems on paper because maybe everybody was slow. And so that's, that's the only thing about time goals is there are so many variables um, that can affect the time that I think looking at, you know, more concrete data than time and, you know, how you, how you placed and how you finished relative to other people that you're familiar with. 
Yeah. I, I definitely have gotten away from time goals over the last handful of years. Um, but I, I, you know, I know we're not going to talk about it in too much more detail throughout the rest of our conversation, but I still think they're worthwhile when you're doing a course that you're familiar with, or, you know, especially, Hey, I have this key time trial, or I have this key road race that's on a course that I've run on before, but time, I agree to your point is you can't control so many other factors that come into play when you think about time. Um, because there could be weather, it could be a course you haven't been on. It could be, you know, there's a hailstorm in the middle of a race, uh, kind of going back to the 7.3 world championships, right? There's, there's so yeah. many things that you can't control or even foresee. Um, even though that was a course I had been on before, it was significantly much more difficult the second time I was on it just because of weather. So time is still something to think about. I think it's something to aim for, but there are other things that come and first and that's process and that's potential in place potentially right because i mean if you do race the same say you do the same race every single year that is a good gauge i'm not saying throw out all the time but you know there could be a year where you've got a headwind on a majority of it or you know anything like a little bit of rain affects your rolling resistance or the temperature can affect your rolling resistance and how much tire pressure you can put in and how the road surface affects all that and and those are just things that we can't calculate outside of a lab right uh, and so at least accurately and so there's things where you can gain or lose time anywhere yeah um, it's funny like didn't the pto just last week uh they christian blumenfeld's world record in cozumel he's yeah. no longer the listed pto world record for the ironman distance right it wasn't a certified course or the, yeah. or the, uh, the swim so i mean there's so many other factors i mean christian's very clearly one of the best, if not the best triathletes out there right now. Uh, even though he's only really, he's only done one Ironman event probably earns or deserves that record, but it's not his record, at least not yet. So, and that's just, it's just a time record, right? There's so much variability between a race like Cozumel, uh, versus a race like California or Florida or wherever else in the world you might be. Okay, yeah. so let's dig a little bit deeper then on some of the goal setting tips that might make the most sense for people to consider next year and talk about process goals first. So I think for process goals, for, for me, I, I kind of break them into two categories. And one is the process goals of race day, but then also the process goals that you have in training. And so I think whenever you're kind of building your season around an, an A race, you can look at what you can accomplish, what you want to accomplish in that race. So maybe that's a swim time. Although again, the swim, it's a little bit harder to have a concrete goal because we don't, especially open water swims. If you're in a pool swim, sure, it's easy to have a goal. But if you're in an open water swim between people and we don't know how long the course is, it could be choppy. You could have a current with you. You could have a current against you. I think the swim, you need to kind of identify process goals, like remembering to sight at a certain frequency and staying on course, following some feet. You know, if you're in a race with someone, you know, or, you know, that's a similar, maybe you don't know them personally, but people that are about your ability level trying to swim, you know, with a particular group, I think those are, that's about the best you can do as far as a process goal in the swim on race day, and just because there are way too many variables in an open water swim. Uh, but then on the bike, I think the most obvious one is probably your power output for, for people that train and race with power. Uh, just because it's a consistent metric, no matter what the course is or whatever the weather is, there's, you know, that power is always going to be 
more or less the same. Now, obviously, the ups and downs could affect your average power and your normalized power. And so I think knowing the course and knowing what is realistic kind of helps you build that that race day goal for power. And then on the run, again, it should be, it's probably power if you've got it. Um, if not, it's pace is probably all you've got as another metric on race day. And so you're kind of left at the mercy of the elements in the course as far as what you can do. Um, but maybe you have another goal, like keeping your cadence in a certain range, you know, so that you're not slowing down, um, slowing your strides down. And then that's, that's a problem. You just want to keep your cadence up. Um, and then little checkpoint goals along the way too, especially on the bike and the run, like getting your nutrition in the right spots, making sure that, you know, you're getting in fluids. I know all of that kind of sounds minor and like, it's just part of the race plan, but I've found that if you have your nutrition plan set and you know you're trying to get in a certain amount of calories and it's working and you're feeling good that just that positive energy of being able to mentally check that box kind of gets you some momentum as you're going through the race yeah um go ahead i I think that's all very helpful um but but like help me understand what does process goals look like in training because i think that's what a lot of people are thinking about how do i set up the year for 2022 be the best year I've ever had, right? Most people kind of want that. Typically, when you're thinking about next year, you want to have a better year than you had the prior year, or may, or whatever that whatever that might be. What does it look like in training? So I think in training, the the basic ones, like you said, is trying to just get get the workouts in right first. Don't miss any workouts. Kind of stay uh, stay consistent and have have that regular routine. And I think that's the first the first goal that you can easily build into your training. But then after that, you know, having some assessments. So whether you do some sort of test in in each of the sports and you do those, you know, every January, maybe you're doing a fitness test and and then you kind of get into races. And I know we lose, um, I I generally don't have my athletes do many tests during the season just because we use the races as tests, but, you know, fitness tests along the way, uh, maybe um, progressive workouts because really in training, I think everything that we're doing is should be some sort of progression, right? And so even when we're very, very new, we're starting with something really basic and then we're moving toward um, some sort of end goal. And so um, just as, as a basic, easy example, like I've got um, one of the staple workouts I'll give to a half marathon or a couple of weeks out is something like either three times 4K or four times 3K at about their half marathon pace with a couple minutes of jog in between. And so we might gently progress to that. And so you can have three or four similar workouts that kind of build and you can kind of check those off as, as fitness assessments, even though they're not tests, but have your key workout circled on the calendar. So every couple of weeks, you've got this run workout that has a goal and you've got this bike workout that has a specific goal. I know that every workout has a goal, but just to, uh, to have this progression that you can build on as the season goes, so that when you get to race day, you've been kind of able to check off each one of these stepping stones to get to where you you should be able to perform on race day. I think that's huge. So like for me and my training and what you prescribed to me, the having key workouts and the assessments are important for, for me as, at least as an athlete to one kind of capture, how is my fitness improving? Uh, and it doesn't always, it's not always perfect. Sometimes there's slips, sometimes there's major improvements. Sometimes there's, there's moderate improvements. Um, but then also, it also helps me stay honest to 
the easy days, right? Because I know, hey, I I can really only get in two or three or you know a, a couple key workouts in a given week, and I have to go easy so I can make sure that I'm executing on those key workouts in a given week, um, whether that's an assessment or it's just a key workout and the progression to to an assessment, right? So, um, yeah, and then something. Think- go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, and then just make sure that you kind of keep your goals realistic, right? So if you're, if you're half Ironman, best time is about six hours and you're wanting to jump, you know, to 430, then, you know, maybe there's, there's something in between there, right? Where we can kind of um, just make sure you have a, have a right gauge. So if you're, if your best uh, Olympic distance power on the bike is 220 watts and next year, you're probably not going to do 260 watts, you know, just kind of make a, make a reasonable yeah. jump in. And there's going to be some some calculating in there too. So if you want to do a certain power number on the bike on race day, you know we need you need to kind of know what percent of your threshold you can safely do, and and so then you've got to then you can kind of work backwards. You know if you want to ride a seventy point three at two hundred twenty watts, and that's going to be eighty five percent of your threshold, then you can figure out you know what your threshold needs to be and kind of make sure that you get your FTP up to that that level otherwise if your ftp is 230 and you want to do 220 it's probably going to be a rough day right hopefully it's a sprint or an olympic right uh, <laughs> how do you okay so like how do you create realistic goals though for like hey it's it's the start of the year people are going to be listening to us how do you know what's going to be realistic in july right and, and I, I think it's throwing, just, are we throwing darts or is there science here there's a, it's a little bit of both, right? Because progression for everybody is non-linear. And so, I mean, every once in a while, we'll see that linear progression, but it's probably not in a very long-term scale. And so whenever you're setting your goals, and that doesn't mean that it's non-linear, like you're going to have a hard time getting faster. You could have a huge jump that's, you know, exponentially better than the curve, but you could also, you know, you're going to have those times where you're seeing just a little bit of gain you know, every, so you're not just going to chip away at a time or chip away at a power number and, and just magically get there by race day. And so, um, one of the things that we do when we sit down with our athletes at the end of the year, um, especially like our our young guys, they're probably the most unpredictable, right. As far as how much better they're going to get, because for those of us that are in our thirties and older, you know, we've kind of reached a point where we know we can get those marginal gains every every year, you know, just a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, but it's the younger athletes that just kind of make those big jumps. And so that's a little bit harder to plan for. But I think if you're, if you're brand new to the sport, I think you have these process goals that maybe aren't target times. It's more about getting the workouts in and getting the training in. And then you're kind of assessing yourself as you go. But if you've been in this for a while, I think you can go back and say, what was my fitness in January of 2020 and what was my fitness in July of 2020 and do the same thing looking at 2021 and, and just see how much of a change there was between all these checkpoints and then decide what is a reasonable, you know, jump for me from now, December of, of 2021, where will I be when I get to my A race in August of 2022? I I always think small steps are very achievable. Right. At least right. how at least I looked at it because over my course of like 12, 13 years doing endurance sports triathlon, I always think you can, it's very easy and predictable to your point to make small little steps. But I also think it's entirely achievable to make big steps. 
But right. if that's something you're planning for or you're thinking that you want to you want to achieve in, in the next year, then you also need to look at what you've done in the prior year or two and evaluate, okay, what other big changes are you going to make? You can't just up your training volume or become a little bit more precise with your training. You're going to have to make big changes. And that might include things outside of training. How are you going to get much better sleep and recovery? How are you, how are you going to eat better um, to make sure that you're fueling those workouts so that you can really achieve that increased training volume, increased training intensity, right? So, so I would say small improvements, improvements that you have made historically over the past couple of years are more predictable. But if you want to deviate from that, go for it. Right. I think that's the, that's the awesome thing about endurance sports, but you need to be prepared to make additional sacrifices and in ways that you haven't done in the past. Right. Yep. And especially as you get older, that's, that's yeah. something it's hard to do. Though. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Like you've been doing this for, for any handful of years and you have a certain training volume and intensity you're used to. It's easy to say, yeah, I want to be a lot better. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to add more volume. I'm going to recover better, eat better and do all these different things. It just it's hard to follow through a lot of times when you kind of stack the chips in that way. Um, so typically, um, myself, I've always gone for the, the smaller bites out of the yeah. or smaller improvements over time. Yeah, and and then also I think when you look at your performances from last year, make sure that you look at them through as objective a lens as possible. So if you had one really really magic day, but all of your other days weren't necessarily close to that. You know, we can all have those really, really good days. And, and you just kind of have to make sure that your those magic races can happen. And like you said, like the big jump, but also it doesn't mean that it's a repeatable big jump. And so, um, like I, I had an athlete that was a high school runner and her junior year, she ran 509.9 in the mile. And then her PR, her senior year was 509.6. And when we had our end of the year meeting, you know, she was a little disappointed that her PR didn't drop a whole lot. But when we looked back at her times from the year, her junior year average mile was something like 532 and her senior year average mile was like 514. So even though her PR didn't change, she obviously got fitter because it was a repeatable good time, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so make sure you, you identify the outliers. Yeah, we're back to talking about time goals, and that's okay. I know. But it but it makes sense because so many people look at that, right? I mean, you're right, it's the athlete that yeah. you have. It's like, well, hey, I didn't improve, but actually, you did. You just had one breakout performance, or the wind was blowing right, right that day, or everything else just fell aligned yeah. for you. It was just the right day for you to go run, and you hit yeah. it. You perform, but that wasn't really that wasn't really what your training was dictating that year you improve the next year um, and, and you look at it across the, the whole volume of, of your season, it was a much more successful year. Right. And I think that if you're, if you're setting a goal and just remember to the, the physiological cost of trying to get to a certain point. So, you know, if you're trying to do 250 Watts for an Olympic distance triathlon and the most you've ever done is 190 or 200, just if you go and spend lots and lots of time riding 250 watts you're not just magically going to be able to do it for an olympic distance you're probably going to hurt yourself because you need to kind of step to it right we need to spend a little bit of time maybe just over just under that threshold and then kind of push it up and push it up a little bit more until we get there and so yeah. maybe that is a good goal and it's a reasonable goal 
but it might not be this year, might not be next year, might be a couple of years after that. And so you can get there, but we have to make sure that we're not trying to force that big jump. Yeah, or what is that? What is that? I think as a triathlete, you always have to think, what is that goal? Especially if you're thinking of an individual sport, how is that goal going to impact your performance and the other sports? Right. I mean, right. Hey, you can, you can up your power if you're willing to up your weight and get some, get bigger potentially, or if you're willing to neglect and swim in the run or not just to neglect in training, or if you're willing to walk a 10 K, um, then you can definitely have really good bike power. But so I think it's, it's a, that's a, it's so complex about triathlon is that you have to really evaluate the problem as a whole. Um, and the goals that you need to make need to be accounting for all that. Right. So I think like my most, the most important thing or tip I would give those is you're thinking about your 2022 season. Um, even if you felt that you've been consistent in a prior year or two years is to ask yourself or go back and look, how can you be more consistent? Are there things that maybe it's not just your training, but maybe it's your diet, maybe it's your sleep and recovery or other things like that, that you can be more consistent in the more consistent right. we are as endurance athletes, when we're trying to tackle three sports at once, the better off we're going to be. Right. Yeah. And that's a good part of the process. You know, it doesn't, not everything has to be a training goal. It can be, I want to get seven hours of sleep every night, or I want to get eight hours of sleep every night or, you know, um, whatever you have time for, but, right. you know, and it's, I think this is probably an episode for another day, but sometimes, you know, it's better to not get up to go swimming at four 30 in the morning. And it's better to get the extra hour or hour and a half of sleep that you would have uh, missed out on just kind of based on where you are. In your I think you cycle, said that. So. I think you said that wrong. I think you meant to say it's always better to get the extra hour of sleep than it is to go yes. swimming at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> okay. Yes. It's not better to get up at four thirty in the morning. Sometimes you never wake up at four thirty to go swimming. Okay. That's my okay. that's my plan. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to meet us, we we swim on Mondays at five thirty a.m. So. Oh, okay. So that's more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So cool. uh, place goals, right? Um. I think place goals, this is, there's something that is, um, the thing with place goals is you have to be, they're necessary. And I think a lot of, co- a lot of coaches will say, you know, you can't have a place goal because you can't control the other people. But if your goal is to qualify for Kona or if it's to qualify for 70.3 worlds, or even if it's just to qualify for age group nationals, right, you have to have a place goal. Um, you know, and, and maybe you don't reach the place goal. And that's why I think you need to marry your place goals to your process goals. And so like that, I'm running this half marathon next month and I've won this race before and I would love to win the race again. And so my place goal is to win the race, but from a process perspective, my process goal is to run the power that I know I'm capable of running. Um, and if I need to go over that, I'm willing to go over that for the first eight or 10 miles. And I want to put myself in a position to win the race, but maybe I'm not going to, because I know that I'm probably fit enough to run 110 or 111. But if some guy shows up that runs 105, I know there's no way I can run 105. And so that's, that is out of my control. Right. And so you can't always control the other people, but when it comes to qualifying for big races, then, you know, you do need to have that place goal. But I think on the heels of that, there's lots of good data out there, right? There are a lot of people that, that are, are okay with sharing their power data and sharing, you know, what their workouts are like. 
And so you should have an idea just based on the people you know of what, what you need to do, right? So if your goal is to qualify for Kona and your FTP is three watts per kilogram, you're not going to qualify, right? That, and so you can kind of go find other people that have qualified and we know, hey, your FTP to qualify for Kona as a, a male under 40 probably needs to be about four and a half watts per kilo, right? At least uh, these days. It used to be a little less, but now it's kind of getting to about four, four to four and a half is kind of the number you know, unless you're a super swimmer and a super runner. Um, and so you can kind of figure out what are my process goals to get there. And then on race day, yes, that's my place goal. But if you nail your swim and you nail your bike power and you nail the run and it just wasn't meant to be and you were third in your age group and there were two slots, then that's what happens. So I think putting your process goals and building your process goals around those place goals, they can go hand in hand. Yeah, place goals are, I don't know, is it incorrect or correct, secondary to process goals. Right. And I think if you if you follow the process and you achieve those goals, it's hard to be disappointed. But at the same time, you know, building those process goals through your place goals. And if you, you know, if you were trying to qualify for Kona again and you're close, you can probably look at your splits, look at the splits of the guys ahead of you and figure out for the next time, you know, what, what needs to improve and by how much so that I have a chance next time. Right. If you, right. if you missed a spot by a few minutes, where can I get a few minutes, you know, a couple minutes in the swim, a couple minutes in the bike, a couple minutes in the run, you know, what's the difference. And so how do you, you kind of adjust the process next time, right? It's just like a, a cooking recipe and you just kind of refine your, your recipe as you go every cycle right. of training. Right. I always see it. Um, and I think I've, I've done a really good job of thinking about process first, but you always still kind of think of, Hey, how do I want to place? How do I want the result? Right. Place time could be time. It's all kind of result, but it's important. I still think to have that result oriented goal for motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Process is what's going to get you there. The result might be the motivation, but at the end of the day, you now you can't always guarantee that result. Um, and that's, that's, what's challenging, but you kind of just have to accept that, uh, make sure that your processes are where you think they need to be to help to get you the result that, that, that you want. And at the end of the day, if you don't hit that result, then it's, it's going back to the drawing board the next year and saying, Hey, what processes do I need to change? So if you're th again, thinking about your 2022 plans, how do your processes work for the goals that you wanted to achieve last year? If they worked perfectly, then you're in a really good place. You can kind of rinse and repeat, bump things up a little bit, carry on. If you're thinking about your last year, 2021 season, and you didn't hit the results that you wanted to, I think you got to go back to the processes that you had, reevaluate what didn't work for you and improve upon those. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing too, about your place goals now, um, now that we're in the age of the rolling start, races aren't really races anymore. They're just time trials. You're, you're hardly ever actually racing somebody, right? When was the last time you were in a triathlon and you knew that running down the last mile, if you beat this guy, you're actually going to beat him, right? The it's very, very start, rare. Yeah, last mass yeah. start swim I did was probably, it was six or seven years ago. Yeah, my my last one was um, in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so, and then there was definitely chances to do races with mass starts, but five or six years ago, I was like, I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it. So I'm glad it is has switched just because of how the swims were. 
but it is different. You're right. You don't get in a head to head race as a middle of the pack athlete. I mean, I'm not going to chase someone down. Like there's prize money on the line anyway. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying to put it all on the line throughout the whole distance of the race, but you're right. hundred percent. Yeah. There's no I was on, I was at a race this year earlier and, um, I was running super hard trying to beat this guy. Cause I didn't know, you know, where he started relative to me. And, and I ran my guts out and started dry heaving 20 meters from the finish line. And turns out he started like a minute behind me. So it didn't matter. He beat me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you just never know what's going to happen, but you gotta, you kind of have to race everybody. Cause you don't know, you don't know what's going on. Well, and so give it your path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's why the process has to be a big part of it because we don't get to see head to head races. And I think that was, that was one of the fun things that, that we've lost now is, you know, if you're on the bike and somebody passes you nowadays, you just look at your power meter and keep rolling. But before it was like, man, this guy's passing me and I'm going to try to stay in the legal draft, right? Right there, seven meters and hang with him as long as I can. And now, now that doesn't really happen. As an age grouper, that's not competing for any sort of wins. I'm completely fine with it. I'm sure that there are, you know, people at the tip of the field or the front of the field are have frustrations with it, but for probably 95% of triathletes out there, I don't think that matters at all. Right. Right. But again, if we're talking about place goals, yeah. if you're trying to, if you need to get top two in your age group, qualify for Kona. Yeah. True. Right. You it would know. be nice to know, you know, when you look at their calf, when they go by, if you're actually <laughs> racing them or not. Right. Or if they were just a, uh, a, a, not a great swimmer or a really good swimmer, you know, whatever's happening. But that's why so. I have, like you have people on the sidelines of races that are using the tracker app, which usually oh. is garbage anyway, telling you where you stand in the field. Uh, because you don't actually know, you just know, like based off the last check-in, which was yeah. probably 15 minutes ago, where at best, if you got that news as quickly as possible, someone yelled at you where you stand. Yeah. You don't know. You're so, right. you so Michael, know. you, you, Michael flies around a, a personal split collar to all of his races. <laughs> I do. That'd be great. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing? It would actually be pointless. Cause like, yeah, you're like 78. Keep it up, man. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So, so I think kind of to, to wrap up the setting, the goal setting, um, if you are at, at kind of the pointy end of your age group or, or the overall, and you're trying to set a play school, do some research, you know, do some research either. If you're coaching yourself, do the research by yourself, maybe find somebody that's knowledgeable about, you know, or has had athletes. If you know a coach, if you don't have a coach, find a local coach that's maybe had someone qualify for Kona, see if they're willing to share some numbers and some data and, and see, you know, what, what is reasonable, um, you know, go look on Strava or on, on other, you know, public exercise, uh, medias and, and see if you can find people's data and what they're doing. And I always find that interesting. Some people kind of hide their data, like they're doing something secret, but, you know, I think, keeping the power public, it, it makes it more interesting. You kind of know. It does. Yeah. I, yeah. I only really look at Lionel Sanders. You know, I think he was like 370 watts for the first hour or so in Ironman Florida, which is like insane to think about. But yeah, yeah. I look at it in awe. Um, okay. R- really good wrap up key. Uh, I think this kind of now transitions us to talking about our own personal goals for next year. And like, obviously I think we both want to caveat that, you know, there's still some things that are going to change as we move into the year. 
Um, there's some races that we know were just announced by the PTO just this last week. So like, Hey, there's going to be new things that hit the calendar. Um, but I think we're both ready to, to share some of our early season goals. Uh, and I'll, I'll flip it over to you to kind of kick it off. Yeah, I was, um, personally, I was a little bit confused about what I wanted to do in 2022 because I, I wanted to just start over and try to get faster again. And I had thought about maybe doing an Ironman next year because I still haven't done one yet. Uh, but I don't know that, um, right now, just the, the amount of training to do it right. I don't know if I get super excited about an Ironman just with how busy the day to day has been. And so, um, I want to kind of focus on getting faster again, and I'm planning to do a couple 70.3s. Um, but what I, I don't know if, uh, if you saw this, Michael, but a few weeks ago, USA triathlon announced that they're going to have the, the multi-sport national championship festival in Irving, Texas. And so that's less than an hour drive from my house and they're going to have several national championship races. And so, um, that's kind of my first goal for the year. That's the last weekend of April 1st, May mm-hmm. through May 1st. And, uh, there's going to be draft legal triathlon, super sprint triathlon, draft legal duathlon, mixed team relay. So all kinds of short, fast stuff. So I said, it's local, it's here in town. I can go to a big race, race four days in a row and sleep in my own bed and I don't have to travel. So I decided to kind of make that the first A race on the calendar. So I'm going to go backwards, work on the speed. And I've always wanted to break 15 minutes for 5K. And so that's something I'm going to take a shot at in March. I figure if I'm going to be getting ready for a super sprint triathlon, then trying to get my speed up kind of fits that. So there's a pretty large 5k in Dallas in March. And so I'm going to go, go there and see if I can sneak under 15 minutes. And if I get close, then, uh, there's another 10k in April. I might, I might go and try to take a shot at, at getting under 31 minutes for 10k and we'll see what happens. But, um, and then after, after that, probably going to do 70.3 Lubbock just because it's close by. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty fast course, so it's probably a chance to PR, and then uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but the PTO announced their majors yesterday, and one of those is going to be in Dallas. So we're getting tons of big races here uh, in DFW. So I'll probably do the PTO Dallas race in September. And then after that, I'm not sure yet if I get a 70.3 world spot, maybe I'll go. Um, but I also haven't run a marathon for a few years. I only run one and it didn't really go according to plan. So I'd like to run one um, winter, spring of 2023. So I'd like to get under 109 for a half and try to get under 230 for a full next winter, a year from now. So I had planned on running a marathon and at the beginning of this year and it got canceled. I was in pretty good shape and it got canceled three weeks out and, and I, it never happened. So hopefully next year will be the year that it comes together. Keith, I, I think your, your process goals need to be related to recovering. Uh, cause you've got me exhausted from all the racing that you're planning, uh, yeah, next I, year I, already. So like, how <laughs> you need to focus your process goals on recovery. Yeah. I think I've got about 20 races on the calendar. Um, the thing that's going to keep me honest is traveling to the junior races. So I'm planning to go to at least three or four of the, the junior draft legal races. And so I'll miss a couple of the local races to go there. So I might not race 22 times like I did this year, but we'll see. Yeah, so I, I think for for most triathletes, that is way too much racing, and will probably drag people into the ground. But uh, for for you and your background, that works. I didn't train right. a whole lot. I, I basically trained a couple times a week and then raced on the weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let, let me reemphasize. I think I said it at the onset 
we haven't said it in many of the pot, but you're a former pro triathlete, former pro qualified triathlete, been doing triathlon for how many years? 20 now. Yeah, 20 years. So like if you're listening to us right now and you're but that and that's not your background, the then I don't think the training and the, the goals that you set are very realistic for most people, which is fine. And I think it goes to show like you need to set your own goals, your own calendar and what you're trying to achieve based off your background and your experience. And Keith, you're obviously at the, the front end of the pack and it shows. Yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. I, I just I like to race. I think that's why yeah. we do this. So I would gladly give up a long ride Sunday <laughs> to go do a triathlon. <laughs> yeah, um, which is which is awesome. Um, so my my goals are a little different. I think I really enjoy the the long Sunday rides if I had a chance to do many of them. Um, I haven't lately, but so so my goals kind of encompass a lot of other things, right? Uh, which is important to understand when you're thinking about triathlon. I always think of triathlon as like it's a team sport because you have to have a team around you to help support you, to get you to the finish line, to get you through the finish line, uh, just to help you along the whole journey. So, uh, for me, the very kind of first goal, I think of, uh, my wife and I are going to be, we're expecting our second child next month. So like the first goal is just making sure to put, put the family first, um, throughout that process. And I think there's a lot of time and there's added life stress and there's, there's a ton of other things that come with that. Um, so for, for me, it has to be goal number one for 2022 is to just put family and the new baby first with everything that we do to make sure that all of that stays solid. If that doesn't, if that's not working for you, if you have other things, it might not be a family and a new newborn baby um, it might be other things, but if you don't have the, the support that you need, then the training and everything else you're trying to achieve and triathlon isn't going to work or it's not going to be worth it. Right. That's at least how I view it. Um, so that's kind of a, that's step one process step yeah. one and for me. And that's, that's the tough part. And you're, you, you're just a, a couple of years away. Our, our second baby said she's ready for her first triathlon this year. She'll be old enough to do a kid's try. And so, wow. yeah, see that's, you'll get there. It's, it calms down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as if I, if I was able to guarantee I could get seven hours of sleep a night in 2022, that would be awesome. I don't think I'm going to be anywhere yeah. near that. So, um, yeah. we'll, we'll just, Hey, whatever happens that regards to sleep and everything else, um, happens, but you gotta, you gotta put some things first, uh, and family and the newborn and everything that comes along with that has to be first. So, uh, then after that, uh, the next process goal for me is just to continue to execute and be consistent in my training plan. So Keith, I'll, I'll keep letting you uh, prescribe the training. I know there's going to be a period where I need to be probably virtually or completely off after the birth. Um, but then it's like, how do you know, we're eventually we're going to have to get back into it when the time is right uh, and just execute from that point forward to achieve the rest of my goals. I think the body always bounces back quicker than you expect or realize i've taken time off in in past we've talked about this before when we talked about the off season keys i've taken two or three months off in the off season and it's amazing how quickly your body bounces back and you're still able to create gains i'm certainly hoping not to have to take two or three months off in 2022 um because because i have some other lofty goals so um but once i do come back execute the training be consistent with it and really I, i guess i'm telling you i'm putting my faith in you to 
in you to, to put together a good plan, make sure that I'm ready for the rest of the year. I hope so. <laughs> uh, so do I. Uh, okay. So, so all that thing kind of takes us to kind of the next process, which, you know, amongst the training, I have a very, very large goal, which we'll go through here in a second. Uh, but is to have, is to bike for fun. Right. And this will make sense here shortly, but uh, I'm not planning to do any 70.3s and Keith is shaking his head right now. So I just want my goal for my first to come do the PTO Dallas race. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll probably not be doing that. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's still part of the process, right? Like, Hey, someone might be saying, Michael, how are you on the try faster podcast? If you're not doing a try, (laughs) you don't know what you're doing. That's that's not right. Uh, But I think it, it can make a lot of sense. Uh, and the reason why is because next year, my main goal, my A race is a Chicago marathon. Um, I was signed up for it in 2020 and the pandemic struck. Uh, so obviously that race didn't happen. Didn't get a chance in 2020. My goal, uh, and it was time goal was to, was to go sub three. And that's still my goal. If we think about time or place, um, because I think it's achievable. It's a stretch goal. It's going to require more running uh, and improvement in running that I have not achieved yet. So it'll be the, the peak of my running or endurance um, on the run, but I've, I've never been before, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, and I think that that's kind of why it's like, Hey, putting this one aside, biking for fun. I still want to do some local races and ra- I'm racing with a, a, a local team here and probably a couple of the uh, crit series that are going on. Uh, but all that to, to really just be secondary to the training for the Chicago Marathon and going sub three there. So I'm excited for that. Anything else fun. that, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really the only race that's circled on the calendar right now that's confirmed, right? I mean, there's some, there's a gravel race that's in the spring that I would really love to go out and do because I'm having so much fun on the gravel bike right now. Uh, there's two crit series that happen here in Illinois and Wisconsin uh, throughout the summertime. And if time allows, I'd love to go do as many of those races as possible. But like, Hey, if any of that really deters from what the run goal is, then the run goal has to come first. And that's even if that's just, Hey, you need to get more volume in, you need to get more run specific VO2 related training in or whatever it is, it has to be uh, executing the, the run training first. Yeah. So, I think that's how I build my priorities and that's those are my goals. Great. It's gonna be a good year. We're, we're excited for twenty twenty two. Yeah. I'm still gonna I'm still it. gonna bug you though about Dallas. I think that you know <laughs> you know that your baby will be eight months old. You can stick the earmuff things on on the airplane and just come on down and Oh yeah, yeah, that that's that'll be enjoyable. <laughs> um we'll we'll, so, we'll talk about it maybe, probably not. All right, let's let's go to some questions. Uh, since our last episode, we do have a question that came in uh, from Seth in Fort Worth, and his question is about: Is it a good idea to train with people that are faster than you all the time, or not? Uh, Keith, I'll let you answer this one. So I think that there's a time and a place, and so all the time, probably not. But I think that having people that are faster than you is is a good thing, but also just keep in mind what the workout is and what those people are trying to achieve and what you're trying to achieve. Right. And so if you're trying to get some sort of steady effort in and their steady is not the same as your steady, then you're going to be working 
probably way too hard, right? And so I think just kind of keep in mind, you know, what what kind of training zone you are in all the time. And so maybe it's good to be able to chase people and it's good to be able to to go a little bit faster. And it definitely helps. I mean, I've I find that all the time. Um, if I get to train with with some of our younger guys that that push me, especially on the short stuff, you know, it's good. And there's there's a time and a place, but you just have to be really careful that if you're doing it on a daily basis, um, which I'm familiar with Seth and his background, you know, a couple times a week, that's a good thing. You know, three times a week, that's a good thing. Um, as long as you just kind of manage that that stress balance with with what's happening to you, happening to you physically within each workout, because if you're chasing faster guys every day, six or seven days a week, then you're probably going to build up some fatigue that you're not going to be able to bounce back from. And so I think just kind of keep yourself in check, you know, have, make sure that if you worked way too hard one day with a group, you've got an easy day the next day, maybe two easy days after that, just so that you're not overtraining because we want to stay away from that. Yeah. So I wish I could give you some feedback here, but I can't, I just, I train all alone all the time. Michael's got a pretty nice pain cave up there in the in the cold. Yeah, you, every everyone everyone up here does, has to if you want to train throughout the year because it gets too cold outside. I mean, it was sixty degrees yesterday, um, and we're here in the middle of December, so that's pretty abnormal. I was able to get outside, but but still alone. So uh, I enjoy I enjoy training alone. I feel like I can still hit and push myself and the and get the paces that I want, but completely recognize that there are definitely benefits at times to being with other people and they can help just push you to those new levels. Right. And yep. for any of you that are interested, you can always um, go check out on YouTube, Lionel Sanders, his videos. Uh, he talks about that because Lionel Sanders right now, he's in Arizona and he has Sam Long down there with him and they're training together. They're swimming together. They're biking together. Um, and they're doing that to push each other. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, the place where it's probably the best to swim with other people if you can is in the pool. Um, just because I've always felt like there's something about chasing someone in the pool and, and it's maybe a little bit more realistic because of the, the increased draft benefit, but you can just kind of find that you can chase somebody and it's not quite as hard as it is in something like running where there's a lot more physical stress. Um, and then also when you're trying to go fast in the pool, I think sometimes pushing yourself to stay with somebody maybe unlocks something that is in your technique that you've maybe struggled with, right? Because you can't have poor technique and go faster. And so it kind of forces you to, to get that feel for the water. Um, and I think sometimes when we're by ourselves staring at the black line, right, we just kind of get into this groove and we can kind of get shaken out of that when we're, when we're with other people in the pool. So um, instead of another question this week, I, I got a new pair of ASICS Metaspeed Edge running shoes. And I thought we could, I'd give a brief summary of what they feel like. Um, they're, they're pretty good at having the only other super shoe that I've run in is the Vaporfly next percent. And so comparatively, they're a, a quite a bit lighter and I feel like they're a little more responsive. And so if you haven't read about the ASICs yet, there are two different kinds of ASICs. There's uh, the Metaspeed Sky and the Metaspeed Edge. And the difference is supposed to be the sky is for people that increase their stride length to go faster and the edge is for people that increase cadence to go faster so for me um i got the edge because i'm i'm a cadence guy and so far i really like it i think we'll we'll check back and i'll i'll give some more data once i've done some more runs with the power meter um, but i'm going to take them to the track with a pair of next percents and 
do some power testing and compare them side by side. So we'll see how that looks. But right now, I I really like them. They're not as bouncy, I don't think, as the next percent. So if you've been running in Nikes and you kind of feel that spring with the Nikes, uh, you don't quite feel that with these. And I think that's kind of the point of the lighter shoe and why it's made for a cadence runner. But I do feel like when I try to sprint or go really fast in the the next percents, it, it feels kind of clunky, but I felt like I was able to accelerate really well with these because they're just a little more responsive, even if they're a little bit less springy. And so yeah. that's my preliminary viewpoint so far. Um, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do some testing with these with the stride and, and I'll bring some data back. Yeah. Give us, give us a more long-term review. These are for those of you that, uh, have seen a bunch of triathletes with these orange shoes on that's those shoes um christian blumenfeld's wearing them Lionel sanders has been wearing them pretty much virtually any all triathletes out there without shoe deals it seems like in the pro field i've kind of gravitated to the asics uh or i mean there's i would say there's still some out there with that are still gravitating toward the nike but it's probably a combination of those two Right. And I, and I think the, uh, the final count was there were more marathoners with Nike shoes and there were more triathletes with ASIC shoes at the Olympics. So just, uh, that was just an interesting thing. I think the, the theory so far is that the ASICs turn a little bit better. And so I haven't really done any running on a course where I have to turn a lot, but uh, yeah, that makes like, sense <laughs> I, from an ITU perspective or a world triathlon yeah. perspective, the guys racing draft legal in these little downtown settings, they probably need to turn a lot more than a marathoner getting to run these big long straightaways. So we'll, uh, we'll bring some more data back. I just wanted to, to mention that in there. Cool. Thanks for that, Keith. All right. Uh, how about you give us our, our weekly workout? So the weekly workout this week, we'll go into the pool because, uh, last time I think we started with a, a bike run workout and, and we did some, some of that. So we haven't really had a pool, a pool session in here. And so, uh, like we mentioned earlier that kind of all of the training is kind of a progression towards some sort of final goal. And so a workout we did with both our juniors and our adults this week was we did uh, three sets of six to eight by 50. And these were at their goal race pace for the spring. And so uh, all of our athletes, for the most part, uh, we have a couple that are just now finishing up, but most people have kind of already gotten to the point where we have targets for next year. And we've, we've kind of gone through this goal setting process. And so what we're trying to do, um, our main group of junior guys, they did three sets of eight by 50 at their goal race pace for the spring. And we took just about 10 or 15 seconds rest in between. So very little rest. And then we did, you know, 200 easy between sets. So there's plenty of rest between sets, but what we're trying to do right now is just get that pace, get in the rhythm. And then right when it really starts to get hard, the set is over. And so you can build this into any of the three sports at this time of year. Um, but what we're trying to do is just get comfortable because I feel like swimming is pr probably the one sport where you can lock onto a pace as long as you're swimming in the same pool for the most part. And you can swim that pace and and execute that over and over again uh, throughout the season. And you have a lot less variability than you would on the bike and the run. And so um, it's it's a good base workout. And what we'll do as the year goes on is we'll kind of extend these sets out. And then maybe those 50s will become hundreds at some point. And then those hundreds will become two hundreds. And, and then eventually with like our juniors, we'll have them do two by 400 at race pace with 30 seconds rest. And that'll kind of tell us that they're close, you know, mm -hmm. to, to where we want them to be for 800. 
And so then our, our long course adult guys, they did a, a similar set, uh, two or three sets of eight by 50. And that was at 70.3 pace um, or Olympic distance pace, depending on the, the athlete. And so that'll, yeah. that'll progress along and we'll probably bring some of those progressions back um, into the weekly workout at some point. Man, I'm already missing, I'm already missing swimming um, this year. And you kind of go through the workout that doesn't happen very often to me. So kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah probably, doesn't, probably doesn't happen for most people actually but um go work out there keith and uh yeah maybe maybe i will do a triathlon next year we'll see you can do the sprint at, at <laughs> uh, the pto dallas just come down and, and do the sprint we will see on that um let's though switch over to some news because last time we spoke there was at least what we thought a whole bunch of really good late season racing we thought we were kind of blessed because we had clash going on in daytona we also had uh, indian wells that was happening with a, with a pretty good field and unfortunately you know hey headline here as i would put it at the end of the year races kind of fizzled out it just weren't what we expected them to be or there are other things that happen we can really start it with daytona and on the women's side like i don't even want to talk about it that's just how I personally feel. So if anyone's following, yes. I don't even want to talk about the women's field because there was like eight people that should have been there that weren't, that should have been on the podium. Uh, and congrats to the women that showed up and raced. They do deserve kudos, but I'm just disappointed that we had so many people pull out at the last minute. Some do this travel restrictions. Some just do because, hey, it was December when the when they clashed Daytona. It's scheduled in December. It's a long season. So some people just didn't make it due to injury. Um, but we just had the field decimated by last minute pullouts. Yeah. So sorry if you listened to our, our preview of Daytona. Um, it's not that it wasn't a good race. We still had, had a pretty good race to watch. Um, Jackie Herring, right. Got, uh, took the lead late in the race and, uh, passed Lucy Hall. And there were still some big names. I mean, Jody Stimson, we got to see her kind of at that middle distance. And, um, but she was probably the biggest name that, that was in the field. And, yeah, like you said, just it was a small group, only only 13 women on the starting line. And that wasn't wasn't quite the Daytona that we had last year. But um, yeah, hopefully next year and we'll get we'll get there in a minute with the new PTO races coming up. Yeah. So on, on the men's side, we weren't surprised. Right. And I think that, that that's kind of the important thing or the key takeaway there. Um, we had Christian Blumenfeld take the overall win on the on the men's side, uh, Magnus Fitlev take second and then rudy von berg take third i called rudy von berg on a podium yeah. so sorry i, I talked get, you out of that i get some points on that one right yep i think so um so yeah I, I, again i i don't think that there was really w looking at this race um watching watching it i wasn't surprised it kind of went to paper with who who showed up on the line so yeah um the, the one Matt the Hansen. one Matt Hansen, yeah, that's what I was going to yep. mention. Uh, Matt yeah. Hansen uh, had a pretty pretty good showing there, and then I guess the only surprise I had was Ben Canute came out with the swim, fight with the leaders, and faded on and run. So yeah, that, that was a, that was a surprise that that he just wasn't able to hang in there. And I didn't see any interviews or feedback from him on that, but I thought he was he would be able to hang in there a little tougher. Yeah, and and Matt Hansen off virtually no running. Um, yeah. He was on another podcast, and he had he had mentioned that. He uh, hadn't even run. I think I think he said he hadn't run longer than like eight or nine miles or something like that. And, and uh, since his injury, and he just was hoping for the best, and he ended up having the fastest split other than Christian on the run. So uh, that's a pretty good day. 
almost two minutes behind him on the swim bikes pretty much with the field a little bit slower than the field but blew up the run yeah they were really yeah. really good so yeah good work by him and then uh, the other the last race i think this is about it is uh, indian wells and the men's race i think was a little bit more more interesting than the, the women's race was pretty close but uh, the men's race, we had Vincent Lewis with a couple minutes lead on the bike, late in the bike. And then uh, the lead vehicle took him the wrong direction. And then on top of that, he got hit by a car while he was going the wrong direction. So he uh, he got back up, though, and got back on course and managed to hang with Lionel off the bike. And then uh, he, I think he was just too beaten up to be able to run, run with him. Um, so he ended yeah. up second, and Lionel took the win. And uh, Yelly Gaines got uh, third in his run, 108.17. I don't know how long the course was. If anybody, uh, did you see a, a distance on the run if it was actually a half marathon? But that's pretty quick. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, Yelly got hit with a drafting penalty, though. So that's why he got he got pulled at the end of the bike ride. He was there with Lionel and the group that, was, that were, were, were all there. Uh, I Like, how crappy is it that your lead moto doesn't stay on the course? Right, and, and I kind of it's read some... It's crazy that that's possible. I, I read a couple conflicting things, and was it that there was a, a lead... Uh, like there, there was a cop at an intersection that, that pushed him the wrong, the wrong direction, or the, the cop wasn't ready for them to get there? Something like that? I don't, uh, I don't know, ultimately, what happened, but what I do know, one, there should have been a cop there that points him in the right way, direction. And secondly, the lead moto should be on the course. Yeah. Like they both have one job is to keep the rider on the course and, and say, yeah. which they didn't do their job is redundant and they failed. Like to me, that's, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, it's terrible. And I feel terrible for the outcome of the race. Um, terrible. that Vincent Lewis got hit. Like it, it, I don't know what Iron Man should do about this. Uh, but it's it's just it, I don't know anything else to say. Quite honestly. Yeah. So um, any um, other Lionel results? And, jump jump off the page for you there. No, I was I was only going to mention Lionel mentioned in his post race video um, that he felt like he had a little bit left there to go or give it uh, to give. He didn't quite empty the tank, and it's because he was running the whole second half plus of the half marathon solo. So. Uh, we didn't get to see what Lionel had at the 70.3 distance entirely. Um, and could he have chased down Vincent Lewis with the, he had almost a two plus minute gap on him uh, or not? We don't know. Uh, I mean, my gut says probably not. If Vincent Lewis gets off the bike and is healthy, he can, he can run, maybe even extend that gap, but I don't think he loses a two minute gap. Um, but no matter how you, how you slice this, this is, this race is, didn't come out well. And it, no, it's all, it's all Iron Man's fault. Let's just yeah. say what it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing for Vincent because I, I feel like he probably had the race in the bag, uh, like yeah. you said. Um, they should give him the, the only other. Money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the only other result that jumped off the page for me was was Trevor Foley in fifth. I don't know who that is, and so we'll have to do some research. But he had a one hundred nine fifty four run split, and uh, if you look him up on the PTO website. He has no picture and no information other than he has done two races and is ranked number 188. Um, but 109.54 is very quick when you 
when you look, that's the third fastest split of the day. And it's a couple minutes faster than the fourth fastest split of the day. So yeah. Um, Trevor yeah, Foley, wherever you are, nice, nice run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was right there with the group in the swim, but it looks like he got uh, pulled off on the bike by got five minutes or so from the main group on the bike. Yeah. Wow. Got a great run. Really good. And run. then, uh, on the women's side, it was Danielle Lewis. Uh, she won by just about a minute over Tamara Jewett. And I don't, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, did Danielle Lewis just have a, a crazy ride? Cause she put about 10 minutes exactly into Tamara Jewett on the, on the bike. And then uh, to kind of reverse things around Tamara outran her by eight and a half minutes, but it wasn't quite enough. And she got the gap down to 58 seconds. Um, but 116 from Tamara, that was the fastest run of the day by more than seven minutes. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like maybe a worth a conversation at some point in the future. It's just like women's racing doesn't go the same way men's racing, where it's very clear, like a pack forms of legal distance mostly. I, mean, I know there were some penalties here, um, but like the women's bike times are all over the place. They were passing each other. There were probably likely big gaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you put down that much faster of a bike, it makes sense that you're going to probably run a little bit slower, but. Um, Good for Danielle Lewis. It was fast enough. Yeah. And then uh, rounding out the podium was uh, Allie Brower. Uh, I don't know much about her, um, but she's uh, ranked number 62 now after that third place finish. So, uh, but that pretty much wraps up the racing. And um, the next bit of news that we wanted to talk about was um, just a really briefly world triathlon has put some sanctions against the, uh, the Russian triathlon federation, uh, mostly some fines. Um, they've asked some of their officials to resign from their positions on, uh, world triathlon and, and European triathlon boards. And uh, if you've listened to our previous episodes, you've probably heard us talk about, um, Igor Polyansky and, and, uh, Alexander Bukankov have both had, uh, doping sanctions from positive tests from this, this current Olympics. Um, I think Bukankov's might not have been the Olympics. I think it might've been the European championship, but, um, to, EPO violations really close together. So um, it's good to see they're trying to do something. A couple of the things, we, we won't reach you the whole list of sanctions, but a couple of them kind of just slap on the wrist sort of thing. I'm not, not sure that anything's actually going to happen, but at least uh, a little bit of public accountability from the Russian Federation. Yeah, uh, it, that's what it seems like to me. The honest truth is like, I don't understand why countries or coaches are so eager to cheat or get ahead in the sport of triathlon, especially, especially with what was on the line. I mean, we're, we're, I know we're talking about the Olympics, but there's not really that much financial incentive behind this. Is there? Like to no, me, it just either. doesn't seem like it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, these guys were on EPO and finished, uh, in the, you know, two thirds of the way in, down the pack. So it's not like yeah. they were, uh, at the front. Um, but uh oh you can't yeah, and, make a donkey a racehorse that's how it goes <laughs> yeah and and i think i mean i don't i don't think we obviously don't know the inner workings of russia but it seems like they put a lot of uh money into their olympic sports so it seems like you know these guys are probably doing okay from a financial perspective that you know why are they you know they're probably fully funded so right at that point you know there, there's definitely not a financial gain for the athletes i wouldn't think uh, no i don't think so just risk really yeah 
but it's you know the the positive is that those tests came back positive and, and you know get we're at out. least able to get yeah got it got get it taken care of so and guys like Bukankov, i mean he's been a staple on on the draft legal scene for decades he's just a couple years older than me but i remember him being kind of one of the young guys on the scene in the late 2000s early 2010s and uh he's been if you look if he's been on EPO this whole time and you look at the number of podiums and the amount of prize money he's brought in uh, the last 15 years, it's a lot. So a lot of athletes missed out on some medals if he's been uh, doping this whole, this whole time. And so that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Yeah. So uh, the last bit of news um, yesterday, the PTO announced what their schedule is going to be for 2022. And they are going to have, um, they've kind of been teasing for a while that they're going to have majors and they want to kind of set up something like like golf and tennis and have large scale races. And so their their majors for 2022 are going to be the Canadian Open, and that's going to be in Edmonton in late July. And then the U.S. Open, that's going to be here in Dallas in September. And then, of course, the Collins Cup will still be um, in August. It's still going to be in Slovakia. And so those are going to be their big three next year and then they're going to add a european open and an asian open in 2023 and each of these opens is going to have a one million dollar purse and then the collins cup is going to have a 1.5 million dollar purse and so they're going to have some big races and i think we're going to get to see probably just about all of the big names uh show up for these races so that's really exciting i hope we do i think that's my takeaway like there's still some details that aren't available at least online um but my biggest takeaway is I hope that these races go on. No, yeah. we don't have any other delays. But right now, it looks like that we're starting to see some travel restrictions again popping up across the globe. Uh, and, and if that continues in the direction it's heading, I think anything like this could be at risk. Yeah, for sure. But it's uh, it's exciting to see some big triathlons like this and, and to yeah. get the best guys head-to-head. And, and I'm really interested now to see when Ironman puts their calendar out, what it's going to look like relative to, because they haven't released the full pro calendar, what it looks like compared to these these weeks, and and now I think even World Triathlon is going to have to think about it because if you're, you know, Vincent Lewis or one of these guys that's racing draft legal, if there's a World Triathlon Series race the same weekend as Edmonton, and you've got a chance to go win a hundred thousand bucks at Edmonton, I'm thinking that's probably where he's going to go. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see those schedules when they come out. Um, and then the last part attached with that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> What's going to happen is there, there's going to be races of similar um, prize money uh, around the same time periods, and we're going to get every athlete on every start list. So yeah, right. <laughs> that'll be fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we will preview uh, races with all of the wrong athletes again. Yes. Uh, but uh, the other part of the announcement is that they're going to have age group races attached to the PTO events for the first time. So um, previously, they're, they're big ones, the Collins Cup, and they, they didn't have an age group race, but now they will have an age group race um, at both of these. And there's going to be the same 100-kilometer distance that the pros have been racing, and then there's also going to be a 25-kilometer sprint distance. So, And this is, this is like, this kind of makes me think, I mean, like, we can, again, we can talk about this another day, but for the sport of triathlon, it's really hard to make money off of just a pro race. And now that it's like right. the PTO now has recognized that. And it's like, the, are they going to turn into like Ironman, which is totally fine if they do, because I think Ironman needs competition 
And if the PTO can put on really good age group races, that also brings the pros to it uh, in competition with, with Ironman, then, then I'm all for it. Um, but I mean, I'm not surprised by this switch up. Um, I don't know if that was something that they had announced in the past that they were going to do, but it makes complete sense because this is their opportunity to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I, I don't know that their model is quite sustainable. And I think we've talked that maybe this will be a future yeah. episode. We'll talk about all the different governing bodies out there yeah. uh, and what the difference is, but I, I don't think their model is sustainable with, with the amount of funding that they're, they're putting into it. So, um, but I hope it takes off because it's, it's good for the next wave of young triathletes to have some different options. It's fun for us to watch. Yeah. But it, how long can you give away million dollar price purses um, without right. bringing in money? And I know these pro athletes bring attention and sponsors and all those things, but is the PTO getting rewarded for it? I, I don't know. It's a private company. We're not sure. Yeah. We'll find out hopefully. But I do know Iron Man needs some competition, and that is definitely a conversation for another day that we'll, we'll put on the calendar. Yeah. Um, but I think that really kind of covers it yeah. for this podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please, I think the, the best thing you can do for us uh, to continue to grow is to just share this podcast with a friend or someone else that you think would enjoy it as well. Uh, give this, uh, Give us five stars, a thumbs up, or whatever it might be on the streaming service you're listening to us on. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, ask us any questions, um, again, check us out on Instagram, reach out to us directly or post a picture and throw in there the hashtag try faster podcast. We'll include it on our next podcast. Any last All words, right. Pete? I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks everybody. <laughs>